Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Peace Talks. I'm Heather Peace. And I'm Eric Peace. And we are continuing our really depressing conversation. And we're doing it without snacks today because we already had our Texas-themed snacks. We yeah, it's because we didn't finish and it's my fault. No, it's fine. And you tired. got a long topic. Your voice tired, was going. Yeah. yeah. All right. So <laughs> this is part two of the Texas Killing Fields. Last time we talked about the victims during the 1970s and some of the suspected murders on that piece of shit, uh, Edward Harold Bell, <laughs> who was convicted of murdering Larry Dickens, but didn't get anything for when he... Yeah. Confessed to killing like 11 people, 11 that he sent kinda, to heaven. Kind of sucks that he confesses to killing 11 people and doesn't get convicted on any of them. Nope. But but at least he got to spend life in prison, so that's, that's something. Yeah, I guess. All right, so this next one, we're going into the 80s now. So this is, this is where the uh, Netflix docuseries, The Texas Killing Fields, was based off of these, these four... That we're going to talk about but first we'll talk about about why these these murders are a lot of really difficult to solve <laughs> one of the things dealing with that is because they said that the killings coincided with the spike in the population blowing up and nasa space center houston opened up in 1992 so a lot of that was boom in the oil and construction industry and then so criminals were everywhere <laughs> so it's really weird also, were they ditching the bodies in a swampy area? Yeah, it's just a, oil, of, so yeah. They're all so, a bunch of oil fields, so they're like empty, they're marshy, yeah. and they're just gross. Yeah. So that's where they put them. And Pretty good at no, destroying and no, evidence. And nobody goes over there. Yeah. So they just sat there for years. So we'll go ahead and we'll start with... The victims? I guess. I'm gonna, there's a lot again. But oh, I don't know. No, like, mm. I mean, there was more, but I eliminated the ones that were their bodies had never been found. So those mm. are just technically missing, but they said they're probably in the same area. But okay. we'll start off as, again, chronological order. I know we're going to go into some more depth in a little bit after reading all these. First, we're going to start with the chronologically who started off first. It was actually a couple. They weren't found out who they, they weren't identified until recently. So. so I got two victims I'm going to talk more about because they actually have stuff on them. Okay. So we got Harold Dean Klaus Jr. and Tina Lynn Klaus. So they were, they were married. They were young. Um, Harold was 20 and Tina was 17. It's really um, young to be married. Yeah, and they were not. They weren't. They weren't found until uh, January of 1981. But they they went missing in October of 1980. Hmm. And so their their body their bodies were found in a wood area north of Houston on January 12, 1981. And their bodies were within found with found within feet of each other, both significantly decomposed with post mortem interval of approximately two months. Dean Klaus had been bound and beaten to death, and Tina was strangled. Hmm. And they also had uh, a baby with them. Oh no! No, what? I mean they, they they had a baby, but there there was no no remains. And uh, her name was Holly Marie. We'll get into that in a little bit. So wait, did the the baby's remains weren't with the parents? But is the baby missing? Uh, I'm gonna get into that. Okay. In minute, okay. So. All right. Spoilers. Yeah. Spoilers. Spoilers. spoilers yeah. <laughs> this is so long. <laughs> this is the background of of the couple, anyway. Oh, yeah, they met in 1978. Tina Lynn was 15 and Dean uh, was 19. Dean's sister was already dating Tina's brother, and they also later married as well. Dean and Tina had what was described by those around them as a whirlwind romance and married a short time later at the Volusia County Courthouse on June 25, 1979. The couple's daughter, Holly Marie, was born on January 24, 1980, and both are described as devoted parents by those around them. Before they moved to Texas, young, the young family lived with their, uh, Tina's sister, Sherry Lynn. The family moved out to the suburbs of Louisville, uh, Texas in the early 1980s. Uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area was, you know, rapidly developing. And Dean was a adept cabinet maker. Hmm. So that's why they moved out there. 
he found he found some work with the Home Builders Association, uh, D.R. Horton Home Builders. That's where they were for a little while. But Dean and Tina fell out of contact with their families around uh, again late October 1980, and they were only found a few months after their relocation to Texas. It is now believed that the murders occurred between October and January, because uh, it's around several weeks before their cave bodies were found. The Klauses were last seen alive in Louisville, Texas. It is still unknown how they came to be where they were found uh, in an undeveloped and swampy woodlands north of Houston, 250 miles away from their last confirmed address. After several months had passed without con uh, contact from them, uh, Dean's mother reported the couple as missing. However, there was little effort put into the investigation by the police who strongly believed that the young family just uh, cut ties with them. And the reason for this is because in the 70s, there, you know, there was a little bit of a religious groups. Mm -hmm. and, uh, Dean was associated with those. So that was one of the things that they believed that they might have been taken by a cult. <laughs> but that's not what happened. I don't think anyway. Yeah, the cults are kind of dying down after yeah, the 70s. But, yeah, like the 70s, 70s yeah. was really so big for cults. And I know they still exist, yeah, but... But, but Dean was in contact with, with some of these people. So yeah. Nomadic religious groups. Mm -hmm. Okay. The reason why it was, they were found is because uh, a civilian's dog led, led it to wander into the woods returned to their own sort of decomposing human arm. Yeah. So this happens all the time. Yeah. Dogs are finding Dogs. body parts and then just bringing them to their masters. And yeah. they're like, what's this? It's natural. Yeah. It's a gift for the family to help. Yeah, look what I found for you. Look what I found for you. Yeah. I'm a good dog. It is believed that the female victim had been attacked first and the male victim attacked before attempting to defend her. Also recovered at the scene were a bloody towel and a pair of gym shorts. It was unclear if the bodies had been killed where they were found or if they'd been taken there afterwards. This became like a cold case because they didn't, they didn't even identify the bodies. They couldn't they didn't know who they were. So they mm -hmm. just sat in storage for over 20 years. Wow. They weren't, they weren't, uh, their bodies were later exhumed in 2011 to to extract DNA. They were doing to find out if, uh, if they were related. And then, you know, it entered the database. Yeah, that's pretty much it for that. So, <laughs> so there, uh, July 2011 is when they finally found out who <clears> they were. And oh, about the baby. Uh, they later found, due to do the DNA evidence, they found the baby alive in Oklahoma. She was 42 years old. Dang. She didn't know. She, she didn't. She had no idea her parents were murdered. Who had been raising her the whole time? Somebody. Like they, they dropped her off at a church, so they think that the, maybe the, the the religious group dropped her off at a church. That's what they're saying. Okay, but did the religious group murder the parents? That's what like, we don't what's, know. What's happening? That's what that, we don't know. I'm glad the baby's okay. That's yeah. wonderful that she survived. But also, yeah. that's really yeah. Holly weird. Murray was found alive in Oklahoma at 42 years old on June 2022, so just last year, which was also coincidentally <clears throat> Dean's birthday. And while the search for Holly Marie was ongoing, it was hypothesized that if she were to be alive, she would not be aware of the identity or past, which ended up being correct. You know, yeah, because she was because she was a baby. She was a baby. She's a little baby. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad that they didn't murder the kid, but also yeah, that's... she ended up being adopted. How bizarre yeah. to have the police knock on your door and say, "Hey, by the way, yeah. did you know both your parents are dead?" And there's been a few details of Holly Marie's life. Out of respect for her privacy, it says that she's mm. uh, been married for 20 years, five children, and two young grandchildren, and then. Um, the church that took Holly in and adopted her to, into a family. And both the church and the family were unaware of Holly, how came to be in the possession of the church of a nomadic group. So that's what I said. Uh, Holly Marie met with a with her biological family over Zoom the same day she was found. And then she met them in person uh, with through, through a fund that they said. Because there was a thing called the Hope for Holly Project, but it was later renamed Dean and Tina Louise Class Memorial Fund, shifting the focus to identifying other unidentified descendants. Maybe this is just me, but as an adult human, if a religious group were to knock on our door and ask us to take in a child, I would have so many questions. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I'd want so much documentation and legal paperwork around an adoption. I, 
somebody just handed me a baby, I, I'd probably call the police immediately. I'm just saying. Next, we got Michelle Garvey. This is a weird one. This one was, she was missing from New London, Connecticut. That's so, really far from yeah, Texas. Yeah, they believe Where she was a she... runaway. Because okay. uh, she um, she ran away from home June 1st, 82, at the age of 14. Hmm. And her believed to have been to return to her birth state, New Jersey or North Carolina. And then she had a previous history of running away, according to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. And initially it was unknown what had happened to Garvey as she may have left home to start a new life and thought to have possibly still been alive. Mm. And then she was found a month after she went missing. And then they did not, they, they, they caused a death strangulation. Okay, so another female strangled. Yeah. And you said um, Klaus was 17 or 18? I guess she would have been 18. She was 17 when she got married? Tina was 17 when Tina she was died. Tina was 17 when she died? Yeah. So this is Garvey. So she, she was just 16 when she got married? She was. They met when they were 15. She That's she was so, 15. He was 19. That's so young to yeah. get married. Well, they didn't get married. I think they got married when they were 17, but still. Yeah. Different times, I guess, but still. I Not that, I that It was the 80s. It, we was, were, the, it, was, it was the 80s. 80s. People do stuff. It was the 80s. People just left their doors unlocked and everybody was fine. We didn't in our house. Uh, we kept our doors locked. Or you, or, you know, you go out and play and come back by sundown. And you're like, I could be in another state by sundown. Yeah, that's true. We did go out and play more. Yeah. All right. And so, uh, yeah, Garvey uh, showed that she has been sexually assaulted and um, and that her body was uh, disposed of in the field, uh, you know, possibly merely hours after her murder. And she was placed as a Jane Doe until 2021 as well. So she just sat there because they were able to get uh, potential matches to Garvey's brother. Because it was really weird. It says uh, an amateur online sleuth, Polly Penwell, came across the cases of Garvey and the unidentified body and suggested to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children and the Harris County Medical Examiner that they could be the same person after she compared both cases. Hmm. Well, using a website known as Web Sleuths. That's really okay. weird. Yeah. I mean, oh, no, never mind. Sorry, Garvey was identified 2014. I mean, at least someone's doing use, something useful with their free time. Yeah. I don't know. It gets really specific about how... Oh, she she left through a window. Like, <laughs> okay. Okay. Does that matter that she left through a window? Well, I mean, it means that she probably didn't feel... She felt like she had to escape from her home. Her home was not a safe environment. Yeah. And trying to leave in a stealthy way. I don't know. Does it say that she was, it was not a good environment? Well, she assuming has a history of running away. Assuming it wasn't. And she's escaping through windows, so mm. yeah, probably. I don't know. You have to ask her brother. Okay. But uh, her body was finally <clears throat> returned to, to Connecticut uh, March 1st, 2014, and she was buried uh, by her family in Montville, Connecticut. I'm glad they at least know. Mm. All right. I think the next four are the ones that are based off of the Netflix docuseries? Yep. The Killing Fields. Oh, no. One more, and then we get into the next four. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so we got uh, Susan Lee Eads. Um, she was a cocktail waitress, and she left uh, around 4.30. She left her workplace so August 3rd, 1983, and then the following day, a motorist discovered her body a few miles from her home. She was naked, bruised and back on her face, and she had been strangled to death. With the bodysuit she was wearing, which had been used as a tourniquet. So there's a lot of strangulations through this. Mm -hmm. That's so weird. And were they able to identify her body quickly, at least, since they found it so fast? I said her car was found parked adjacent to the vacant lot where she was found. An autopsy determined that she had been sexually assaulted. Eads was last seen at a local club with a white man wearing a cowboy hat. Her mother received phone calls from an undefined man who claimed to have photos of her daughter. 
He referred to himself as Bill, and he said that he lived in Houston, Texas. A DNA profile extracted from Eden's body was matched to Arthur Raymond Davis Jr., a Vietnam War veteran and boat captain, but he died in a single car accident uh, January 16, 1984. Okay. I still have no idea. Whether or not he was the killer. Yeah. Or her killer. But we'll get back to uh, Bill in a minute. Okay. Okay, and the next four are the um, Texas Killing Fields, what's it based off of? Another cocktail waitress in October 1983, Heidi Marie Villarreal-Fi, 25. Her, Heidi's remains were are discovered because a dog brought back her skull to a nearby house. This is These are the called the road killings. These are the four, and this is what they get started naming at Texas Killing Fields with these four specifically. Next Up next, we've got Laura Lynn Miller. She was 16. She was at uh, September 10, 1984, last seen at the same convenience store that... Uh, Heidi was at a year earlier in Lake City, Texas, where she used to call her her boyfriend from a payphone. Her remains were found off of February 2nd, 1986, 60 feet away from where the police had found uh, Heidi's body the year before. Mm. And then you have Ellen Ray Simpson Beeson. We'll talk more about that in a minute with our suspects that we have. Uh, she was 29, was last seen with friends on July 20, 1985 at the Texas Moon Club in Lake, Lake City again. And uh, the medical examiner was unable to determine the cause of death at the time, but upon the exhumation of her remains in 2012, uh, it seemed to be severe uh, skull fractures. Okay, so that's a change in the age of the victim and the type of killing. Yep, so the others were much younger yep. and so, strangled. Yeah, so we'll get to those to okay. that one in a minute. Because right. Ellen Ray is, is a different one. Because we're nowhere near the, done with the victims. There's no, there's so too many. many. There's victims. too many. There's yeah. too many victims. Audrey Lee Cook, who was 30. Again, she ooh, she had a gunshot wound to the back of the head. Uh, I mean, a gunshot wound to, the back, to her back, severing her spine, and she had suffered additional injuries to several ribs. She was a Jane Doe until uh, 2019. Wow. And then we have a, a, another one that was a Janet Doe. She was 34, but this one was from 91. was the last time she was hurt. When a local resident came across her body decomposed body by Calder Road, and her name was Donna Marie Prudhomme. Mm-hmm. But then we got uh, Shelly Kathleen Sykes. Pretty short, but... Um, she was 19. Last seen leaving her job as a waitress at, at Guido's Seafood Restaurant in uh, the beachfront in Galveston, Texas, just prior to 12 a.m. on May 24, 1986. Her, found, her car was found the next day, stuck in the mud, bloodstained, and abandoned on the side of the road. But the driver's side wouldn't have been broken into, and bloodstains were discovered on the door and on the driver's seat. She has never been found, but she, she, this one, her killer, has been charged and convicted with killing her. Okay. And that was, we'll get to that. In a we'll, we'll get to the killers in a minute. Yeah. And then we're, we're done with that. We'll go down to another pair. This is We're in the 90s now. So we got uh, February 1st, 1996, Lynette Bibbs, 14, and Tamara Fisher, 15, visited Houston Texas Club for teenagers. A uh, 20-year-old male later claimed to have dropped the friends off at a motel near the city center on Old Spanish Trail. The bodies of the two girls are found dumped on the railroad two days later on February 3rd, 1996 in uh, Cleveland, Texas. And they've both been shot to death. But police suspect by uh, different people, which is weird. Yeah, that is a little weird. Yeah. And then we also, got, that's like a five-year cooling-off period. Yeah. Which is... And then we got Crystal Jean Baker. Uh, it's 13. We have a little more uh, information on her because she because uh, her killer was also convicted as well. So there's only been two of, of the Calder killings. There's only been like two people that have been convicted of their murders. Which wow. is sad. That of is all, really sad. Of the 30 people that it's like, because you know, yeah. the guy that was convicted of killing Larry. maybe 11. Yeah, and he, the guy no, who killed he, 11. He, he was got, only convicted, convicted of Larry, Larry, which is none of the girls that he said that he may have killed. Yeah. So it's like, okay. Crystal Jean Baker, uh, 
she's they said that she she'd been raped strangled and dumped over by the trinity river bridge mm. i will get into that in a minute and then laura uh smither april 3rd 1997 was 12 last seen in fredswood texas jogging down her home street on april 3rd 1997 after telling her mom she was going on a 20-minute run and then 17 days later her body was found in a retention pond in Pasadena, texas that's so depressing yeah and we'll get into her, uh, her murder -er in a little bit. Kellyanne Cox, last 20, was last seen July 15, 1987 at a Conoco gas station and a convenience store in Denton, Texas. After locking herself out of a car, making a call to her boyfriend for help, using the station's outdoor payphone, we'll get into how her body was found in a little bit. Because uh, Denton's a lot further north. Yep. That's very far away from the Galveston-Houston area. Yeah. So and then we got Jessica Lee Kane, was last seen in Clear Lake, Texas, dining with friends at around 1.30. She reported missing on, she was 17, reported missing on August 17, 1987, when her father found her truck abandoned along Interstate 45. Her remains were finally found on March 18, 2016. Wow. And then these last two, Sarah Ann uh, Lewis, trustee, 23, was last seen during the evening hours of a day in Algoa, Texas, near a church, riding her bicycle around 11 p.m. on July 12th. We're getting to 2002. Her body was discovered in a dike in Texas City in a nearby reservoir by a fisherman. And then Teresa Lynn Venegas, 16, was last seen in Dickinson, Texas, walking near the Green K subdivision on October 31st, 2006. Three days later, her body was found strangled, raped, and with her hair cut off in a field across from Dickinson High School. I wonder what the significance of cutting her hair off was. I don't know. Not maybe the trophy, probably. Maybe. Any of the other girls had that. Yeah. All right. So now we're going to get into these terrible fucking people. <laughs> so, <laughs> the suspects. Yeah. Talking about the suspects now. Yeah. So we have a few, again with the with the uh, the main the main four that were discussed during the uh, Texas Killing Fields so the Netflix series. Their main focus was on uh, Clyde Hedrick, because um, his deal was when we mentioned the Beeson case, he had previously been charged with abuse of a corpse because they couldn't connect him because uh, they said oh we went swimming and then mm -hmm. so that, so he was eventually uh, co uh, convicted of that, but it was like involuntary manslaughter. Hmm. In 2014, and since the 20 years of prison, he got out. Let yeah. him out in 2021. Uh. And then the uh, real, real bad about that is because like he's, it's, ooh, it's not great. <laughs> it's not great. And then again, uh, Robert Abel, he, they, they suspected him just because he was on the land that he had a history of uh, violence, um, and he's because he would beat horses in his stable and just left mm -hmm. them to die. Uh, but he was never convicted, and they don't even know, they don't have really any solid evidence. But he committed suicide in 2005. For, because because so, the because some of the bodies were found on his property okay. near his land they were like oh maybe it's him because having someone put a dead body on your land doesn't mean that you no, killed them necessarily no, but they said because of his violent past and saying that he would kill his one of his ex wives they yeah. might assume that so but my grandpa owned a ranch and there's no way he covered every acre no. of that ranch every day that was yeah. a lot of space but violence against animals is a warning sign yeah yeah Clyde he Clyde Hedrick. Been known to be a violent, abusive man. It was reported by his former stepdaughter Marla, who called how he behaved toward his mother and herself, including making a hole in the wall to spy on him while she was dressed. Yeah, that's so he's creepy. a real creep, yeah. And then uh, Hedrick later confessed to a fellow man that he had murdered Ellen Beeson, mm -hmm. uh, Heidi Fye, and Laura Miller, but no evidence to convict him. Hedrick could be charged with their murders. Yeah. But he did get charged with uh, Ellen Beeson's like under involuntary manslaughter because they said they went swimming. Hmm. But again, uh, Laura Miller's father, Tim, who started this EquiSearch because he's been living with this for 40 years, trying to figure out who murdered his daughter. He founded the, the organization that helps uh, locate uh, missing family members. 
and it's terrible. Yeah. I'm glad that he was able to turn into something positive, but it's a terrible position for a father to be in. Yeah. Lose your child like that. The suspect. Nah, yeah, suspect is serial killer. Tell yeah, me about him. Well, again, Clyde Edwin Hedrick uh, was brought in for questioning in 1985 uh, for B. suspicious death. He admitted that both of them had gone swimming in a nearby lake uh, upon leaving a local bar. And he first said that she accidentally drowned while in the water. And then he just, you know, claimed to dispose of the body out of being accused of foul play because mm-hmm. he had a criminal record. And it's like, what are you doing? But at the, at, at the time, of the, since her cause of death could not be ascertained, until 1996, Hedrick was convicted of abusing her corpse and sentenced to a year in jail. Man. That's just it. one year? Yeah. But in 2011, Hedrick's ex-wife approached authorities and said that Hedrick had frequently made incriminating remarks regarding Beeson's death. This information, along with Beeson's second autopsy, resulted in authorities getting an arrest warrant and charging Clyde with uh, involuntary manslaughter in 2014. Because that's what he got convicted of. Mm-hmm. But he was released from uh, Estelle's Max Penitentiary uh, in Huntsville, Texas, in October 2021. Mm-hmm. And we mentioned the uh, oh, we talked about Shelly Sykes' case earlier. She was one of the missing. Um, so, in 1987, 30 year old John Robert King phoned the El Paso police claiming that on May 24, 1986, he, together with 33 year old Gerald Peter Swarst, attacked Shelly Sykes while she was in her car, after which the girl was raped and strangled. After his arrest, Swarst told the police that he had hidden the body in one of the fields where the bodies were found. Both men were asked to indicate the whereabouts of Sykes' body in exchange for avoiding life sentences, but their directions failed to uncover it. Hmm. But King and Swartz were convicted of aggravated kidnapping and received life imprisonment sentences in 1998. And they were probed for such uh, other crimes committed during the mid-1980s with both family denying any involvement. And, uh, King died uh, from natural causes behind bars in October 2015, while Swartz died in prison in November of 2020. Hmm. So is there any evidence attaching no. King or Swartz to any other killing? It's just the no, one that they... just the one that they said they did, and they couldn't find a body. I'm surprised they even got convicted with no body. Yeah. It's like, that's weird. But it happens. And again, about um, Crystal Jean Baker. This is the one that was related to... She's related, they said she was related to Marilyn Monroe. If it was her great aunt or cousin or something like that. 16 years after her body was uh, found, um, Kevin Edison Smith was arrested and convicted of murdering her due to um, DNA evidence finally being come to light in 2009. Or in 2000, sorry. 2009, Smith had been arrested for a drug charge in Louisiana. About the same time, a detective tested Baker's dress for DNA a match was confirmed, and using advanced technology that was not available until the time of Crystal's disappearance, a jury deliberated for about 30 minutes and found Smith guilty. He was then sentenced to life in prison. And that was in April 2012. 2012, yeah. But that was the, yeah. she was murdered back in, like, 1996 or something like that, I Yeah. So that's crazy. Now we're going to talk about the real asshole in the room. Um, <laughs> William Lewis Reese, who might be named as Bill. That, mm-hmm. that, that's the talk, bill the text probably the bill the, that they talked about even the, though there's nothing really the white guy in a yeah, cowboy hat yeah it's like there, there's a guy bill. all over texas yeah, and he's the only one that's been charged with multiple murders okay so it's a good thing for him <laughs> so mm-hmm. i mean it's like all right because what it was is that in uh, may 1997 a 19 year old sandra sabal or sapal pregnant with her third child threw herself out of a truck speeding down interstate 45 dang a woman in the car behind her pulled over and took Sabal to a nearby hospital. Sandra tried to recall the events that night, but her memory was foggy. She had been in a gas station, her tire had been slashed, and there had been a man. He offered to help, but then he British enough and forced her into his truck. She could remember the events, but not the details, and she couldn't even identify the man who, uh, until several months later when police tried to stir her memory with hypnosis, uh, she, could re- she re- ended up recalling the truck's license plate number. Hmm. And the truck belonged to a man named Bill Reese. A convicted rapist who had left his home in Oklahoma started anew in southern Texas. 
Authorities uh, immediately arrested Reese and charged him with kidnapping. He was given a sentence of 60 years in prison, but he insisted at the time that the situation was just a misunderstanding. I'm not a rapist, he said. I'm just an old country boy. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but I don't like eight, that. Yeah. I don't like that at all. Yeah, but 18 years later, however, in 2015, police made a discovery that revealed Reese for what he truly was. His DNA was matched to the murder of a 19-year-old Tiff, uh, newlywed Tiffany Johnson who had been found dead in Oklahoma in oh. 1997. So he's extradited? Well, yeah, extradited back to Oklahoma. Reese was found guilty in the murder death penalty, face lethal injection. And he wasn't in that. But um, in a desperate attempt to, uh, you know, bargain with authorities, he gave out the whole truth in exchange for his life. Hmm. Reese confessed to authorities that in the summer of 1997, he murdered three girls in the air surrounding Texas killing fields. The first was 12-year-old named Laura Smither, who was out for her morning job when he, uh, Reese kidnapped and killed her. Later that year, he murdered a 20-year-old psychology student named Kellyanne Cox. And a 17-year-old girl named Jessica Kane. He even provided police with the locations where he had buried Kane and Cox. Wow. So, unfortunately for Reese, though, his bargaining uh, did not drop his death sentence. So good. That's good, yeah. Good. So he did manage to avoid some time, however, as he's once extradited this time in Texas and sentenced to life in prison in July 2022. So wait, is he still about? What? He's still alive? Yeah, he's still alive. This oh, was just recently. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, he's not very old. He's only like 65. Still. Yeah. But that's crazy. Yeah. And it's like, so I don't know how they do that. Cause like, I guess he's going to be extradited to Oklahoma after, but cause he's got, he got found life in prison for the murders over here in Texas, but he killed somebody in Oklahoma where they give him the death penalty. So I don't know if, how yeah, does, I'm, how does I'm that surprised work? Texas wasn't just give him the death also giving well. the death penalty. Know, Texas really gives the death penalty a lot. Yeah. So I don't know what's up with that. So now that's pretty much it for the, uh, eighties and the nineties. Yeah. I mean, those are the ones that, these are the ones that actually got caught. So a lot of them are still unsolved. Yeah, most of them. Presently, there's a lot of these cases are unsolved. While the police and the FBI were able to identify at least some of the people responsible for the murders, you know, um, the ones that took place specifically between '83 and '91, they have no, they have no idea still. Nothing closer. Nothing closer to this. So it's like that's why there's still like thirty, you know, close to twenty-five bodies that they still have no idea what happened to them. Wow. Who do what they did? And that's craziness. That is pretty depressing and terrifying. Yeah, but. It happens. And here we're here to talk about it because it's like, oh, that is great. Not really. Not really. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm glad that DNA technology has come a long way. Oh, yeah. And that they've I been mean, able to... that's what it was like 100 years ago. When you, like people would have robbed banks and stuff. You did like nobody knew. They were just like, you just leave. Yeah, them. like Bonnie and Clyde yeah, would rob just, a bank and then go to the next town, town and rob like, a bank. It's like, like oh, totally like, new people. Yeah, it's like, who are these? Like, we don't know. We have no idea because it's just easier back then. And now everything's like, oh, we got DNA. Good. DNA, we need it. Better to catch people. Yeah. Yeah. Don't know what people like uh, Bill Reese in my neighborhood. No. No. Want him death I don't penalty. Know. I'm still surprised that Clyde got out. So I don't know what, like, I think he has, like, um, what they call mandated, like, supervisor uh, supervision that he has well, to do. Well, it's probably a lack of evidence. Because, <laughs> because, but he, but he, he murdered a girl and he got hit. It's like involuntary manslaughter. That's what they gave him, you know? Yeah. And it's like, it's like, only going to serve eight years. That's yeah, ridiculous. but I mean, he his claim is that she accidentally drowned and they have no evidence. To the yeah, because he yeah because it's been you know because it took twenty years for them to freaking see anything. Yeah. Oh well, that was it for Texas Killing Fields, and we'll be back next week with some other new topic to talk about. All right, check out my uh, spooky story. I read Cats of Ulthar. If you're into hearing an H.P. Lovecraft story, so like a ten minutes. It's yeah, fine. it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> All right, and we'll try to pick a more upbeat topic for next time. I guess. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> Peace out.